Uh, well, if you have your scriptures, please turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Uh, as uh, I'm going to read the first um, uh, eight verses. We're going to look at verse through 8 through 8, 1 through 21. Uh, but just for the sake of time, I'm going to focus, just read those first eight verses. And I'm going to pray uh, and just do want to continue to pray uh, for the Galicchio family uh, as Bob passed away this past week. Uh, also, we want to continue to lift up Mary Boyd, uh, who um, set uh, Herbert uh, to rest earlier this week. Uh, it's been a trying week uh, in the life of our church, uh, so I pray that God would minister to us now uh, through his word. Uh, read with me along with eight, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Susa, Herod's household manager. And Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to him, Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you now uh, in the name of Christ, through his blood, uh, for the forgiveness of our sins. God, we come with boldness, asking that you would open our eyes and our ears. Father, it says that he who has ears, let him hear. God, I pray that you would give us ears today to hear your word. God, we want to receive your word with the right hearing. So God, I pray that you would expose how we normally hear the word, and I pray you would show us how we need to be attentive and focused on the word of God. God, we just lift up uh, now Mary Boyd, uh, who is um, still grieving over the loss of her husband. Uh, God, we thank you so much for their 65 years together uh, and their, their years that they will be together for all eternity. So God, as those days are coming, we pray for Mary now as she grieves and longs uh, to be united with her husband. Uh, minister to her spirit through your spirit. And God, we pray for the Galicchio family. Uh, we pray specifically for Susan, for Joe and Dominic and Sophie. God, we pray that your spirit would be strong um, in their hearts. Father, continue to surround them with love with kindness and mercy from your people to them. Uh, God, we pray also for our church family as we grieve Bob's loss. We pray that you would just help us look at it with right eyes, with right hearts. Uh, God, help us grieve and look forward to the day, the day when uh, the clouds will be rolled back and the trump shall resound. Uh, even so, Lord, even so, it is well with our soul. God, give us a longing uh, for you to come quickly. God, we ask now uh, for the folks who came to our vacation Bible school. Uh, God, I just pray that you would just use 
our week of labor and prayers and effort and smiles and fun uh, to help people find the gospel. Help them believe, Lord. Help them commit and covenant with a local body of believers. God, we pray that you would just continue to multiply our efforts. God, we pray that those children would choose to lean on your side, to depend on you, God, to pray in your name, God. Help them put on the full armor of God, that they may stand against the evil schemes of the devil. And God, we pray now for our own hearts as we are about to hear your word. Uh, God, there, we, just, we just pray that you just minister to us. God, you know what each heart here needs. I pray that I am just a vessel, uh, an empty vessel, hidden behind the cross, that the words I say would be used to strengthen and encourage your people in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, beloved, we come every Sunday morning to listen to the Word of God. But how often do you ask yourself, how are you hearing and listening to that Word? I pray today that you would take time to examine how you hear the Word of God. Uh, Just for the sake of outline, I'm going to have a very long first point and the second two points are going to be a little shorter. <laughs> so if, I, if I'm 30 minutes in, you're like, man, he's not done with point number one. Just know that point two and three are going to be done quickly. Uh, so if you want to follow along with, with the, in your bulletin uh, behind on the back, uh, that first point is that we really want to have a fruitful hearing of the Word of God. We want to have a fruitful hearing. Before you get there, the Luke chapter 8 starts out with a transition. In Luke 8.1, you see, it says, Soon after, afterwards, Jesus went through the cities and villages proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. See, Jesus traveled throughout villages and cities preaching, proclaiming the word of God. He went about scattering the seed of the word. But I want you to notice, before we get, dig into this test, who made that possible? Women did. Luke, throughout his gospel, gives a prominent place for women to point out their faithfulness to God and His Word. Now, in this day, that would have been shocking. It would have been shocking for Luke to highlight women. Women were not honored in society. They were not appreciated. But we need to know that Jesus was able to preach the good news of the kingdom of God because of the faithful generosity of women. Look at how it ends in verse 4. Who provided for them out of their means. Now, sometimes churches do this, and we must never fall into the trap to diminish the role of women in the proclamation of the gospel. We all play our part. These women help to enable a faithful hearing of the gospel of Christ. Because of their generosity, people transform from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, because they gave out of their own means. The same was true then, the same is true today. There are many godly and faithful women in this church who have sacrificed much to give faithfully for the proclamation of the gospel. Can I just say thank you? 
thank you for making the ministry of the word possible. But after this transition statement, Jesus turns to the crowd, and there's this crowd that's been gathering town after town, and he told them a parable. We read again in in verse 4, verse 5 rather, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell among along the path and trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devour it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell onto good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he had said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus speaks to a crowd in a parable. Now, we, if you've been in church for any number of years, you have probably heard this story before. It is a common story in Jesus' life. The reason why this parable is so popular because its message is timeless. We must be careful how we receive the Word of God. So I've, although this passage is very familiar to many of you, I just pray that you allow God uh, through the Word to have you look at it afresh, that you be ministered um, in your hearts today. So there's four different responses to this Word. Look at verse 9. Jesus helps to unpack why he's speaking in parables. So he speaks the parable to the crowd, and then he gets his disciples together, and he explains what he meant. So in verse 9, it says, And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing that they may not understand. The first thing that we have to keep in the front of our minds is that the hearing of the Word of God faithfully is a gift by God's hand. It says in verse 10, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. This is why I will say again and again from this pulpit, the Christian should not be proud. You know God today, Christian, because God was gracious to you. So you must never look down on those who do not have God. Because the only way that you have God is because God gave you eyes to see. We cannot know God outside of His help. We need God to open our eyes that we may see and understand. So now let's look specifically at these four responses to the Word. The first response is a sealed ear. We hear with a sealed ear. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. And verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that that they may not believe and be saved. Now, beloved, this is a scary verse. It reminds us that there is an eternal battle over the souls of men. The devil and his demons are pursuing our souls so that you would not believe and be saved. That means that every time 
the Word of God is preached. Right now, as I'm preaching, the devil is at work. He is trying to distract you from hearing the Word of God. He may be distracting you with the heat of the day. He may be distracting you with the lack of sleep you had last night. He may be distracting you with your hunger in your belly. He may be distracting you with someone else around you. Beloved, do not let the devil distract you from the Word of God. He is active. He's active in our church today. You've seen it this past week. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest theologians of the 20th century, uh, writes in how the devil attempts to work on the hearts of men in his book, The Screwtape Letters. Uh, in the opening chapter, Screwtape is writing a letter to a younger uh, apprentice, his nephew, Wormwood. Uh, Screwtape recalls a time in one of his assignments, his people that he was working on, started to think deeply about God in a museum. He writes these words, I once had a patient, a sound atheist, who used to read in a British museum. One day as he sat reading, I saw a train of thought in his mind beginning to go the wrong way. The enemy, referring to God, of course was at his elbow in a moment. Before I knew what I saw, before I knew where I was, I saw my 20 years of work beginning to totter. If I had lost my head and begun to attempt to defend my argument, I would have been undone. But I was not such a fool. I struck instantly at the part of the man in which I best had under my control. I suggested that it was about time he had some lunch, rather than thinking about the Word of God. He is now safe in our Father's kingdom in hell. See, the devil is actively trying to steal the Word of God from the hearts of the souls of man. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ who is the image of God. So we must pray that God would open the eyes of the blind. Now, many of you want people to come to Christ. But can I ask you, when was the last time you went before the Father and weeped and begged that God would save souls. Now, I am so thankful as a pastor. This week, so many of you came to me and said, Pastor, I'm praying for you. You know, I feel your prayers often, and I know that when I get up and I preach, if anything happens, it's not only because of me preaching. It's because the Spirit of God has answered the prayers of His people. but we always must be aware that the devil is working. He's working even now. The second response to the Word of God is the surface ear. So we have the sealed ear, now we have the surface ear. Uh, Jesus continues in verse 13, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the Word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. See, these people, they hear the word and instantly they respond with great joy. They're excited about God and His word. You see a visible change in their lives for a while. 
The change never went down to the core of their hearts. Now, I think this is the danger of moralism or behaviorism. We cannot be more, most concerned with external temporal changes. We have to be concerned with the heart. For we know the time of testing is going to come. The Apostle Peter says in, verse, um, in chapter 4 of his epistle, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We all will experience a time of testing. The only way we will be able to stand is if we are rooted deep in Christ. So the question is not if we will face a time of testing. The question is what will happen in that time of testing. Will we stand strong or will we fall away? So how do we dig these deep roots in Christ so that we don't have a surface hearing of the Word of God? Uh, Primarily, we develop roots in Christ two ways. We grow in the knowledge and love of God, and we grow in relationships with other uh, of God's people. The first way we develop roots is to grow in knowledge and love of God. We must take reading and studying God's Word very seriously. We must take time out of our day to dig into the Word of God. Do you, beloved, set aside time every day to read God's Word? Now, no one's perfect. We all fall, right? I would, I would never stand up here and say I read the Word of God every day. I wish I could. Uh, but we're all struggle. We all struggle with that. But do you attempt to read the Word of God daily? This comes, so we do not want just an initial excitement like we saw here. We want a long, sustained joy. And that comes with the the daily reading of the Word of God. But we also have to understand that it's not just about knowledge. You know, we can have all the knowledge in the world, but you can still not love God. See, our greatest problem is not that we lack knowledge. Our greatest problem is our sin, is our lack of love for God. We don't want to submit to Him as our Lord and as our King. We need to have our our love for God grow. The greatest problem is not one of knowledge, but one of love. We love other things more than we love God. We desire other things more than God. Paul writes to the Holy Spirit, to the church in Corinth, hear these words, you've heard them before. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. See, Adam and Eve knew that they were supposed to eat, they were not supposed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they chose not to love God. They chose to love self over God. And sin ushered into the world. And that sin brought a lack of love in our hearts. So there is a heart problem that we have. Because of our sin, we don't want to love God. One of the prayers I constantly pray for you is the the prayer from Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. This is what Paul says. My prayer for you is that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth 
of insight so that you will be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless into the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we need to grow in knowledge, but we also need to grow in love. They mingle together. Well, I think the other way we grow in Christ, develop deep roots, is we grow in relationships with one another. When God calls a sinner to repentance, he calls them to the family of God. The family of God expressed in a local body of believers like Park Baptist Church is how God has chosen to ground us in the faith. In my experience, people, when they are tested and fall away, they fall away because they are not invested in a local body of believers. They may be even a member, but they're on the fringes. The people who know each other well within the local church tend to stick with the Lord. That's just the truth. I'm not sure about many of you, but have you ever had that desire to get in better shape? I know what you're thinking. Pastor, you're in great shape. Thank you. I appreciate that, Miss Connie. Right? But you ever have that desire, I want to get in better shape, so you start, you start working out, and then after about a week, you're tired, <laughs> your muscles are sore, so what happens? I'm just going to give up. But what happens if you want to get in shape with somebody? It changes everything. Because now if I don't show up, I'm letting somebody else down. And you tend to sustain that, the consistent workouts that you have. My prayer is at the end of this summer, uh, we're going to start something I'm going to call grow groups. We're going to grow in the knowledge and love of God and grow in relationships with one another. And really, my prayer is that we just have a normal conversation where we're talking about the Word of God and what's going on in our lives. How, how crazy would that be if the church, when we got together, we didn't just talk about stuff. We talked about the Word of God and how we were doing it in our own hearts to have depth of relationships. Because you know what's going to happen? When that time of testing comes, you will stand. And as your pastor, that's what I want. I want you to be rooted in Christ. Well, the third thing we see here is we see a, a listening with a secular ear. A secular ear. Verse 14. And as far for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. See, Jesus is most concerned in this parable, not about salvation. I think he's most concerned in this parable about fruitfulness. You know, oftentimes you hear this and you see the second one, the, the, the seed that falls around the rocks and the seed that falls around the thorns, we start having those theological debates. Well, if it falls around the rock, are they saved? Or if it falls among the thorns, are they saved? Now, you can ask those questions. There's nothing wrong with it, but I think it misses the point. The point of the passage is, are you producing fruit? Because it falls among the thorns here, and we see that the fruit does not mature. And as Christians, what should we desire? We should desire to live for the Lord, to bear fruit with our lives. When we stop asking questions like, does this activity or these actions, do they honor God? When we stop asking those type of questions, we are on our way to be ineffective and unfruitful in the Lord, forgetting what God has done for us in Christ. The Apostle Peter says this in his second letter, For this reason we make every effort to supplement our faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, 
and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, so if you are growing in the knowledge and love of God, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he's been cleansed from his former sins. See, the seed that falls among the the thorns, Jesus is trying to say is, what obstacles are in your life to keep you from bearing fruit to maturity? And he gives three. Uh, Worries, the cares of this world, riches, and the pleasures of this world. Now, remember the analogy that Jesus gives here. It's the plant analogy. Now, those of you who who have ever um, planted anything, you know it takes what? To grow. Time, all right? It takes time to grow. Growth is a gradual process. Just as growth is a gradual process, so is the choking out of a plant. Uh, If you come in my backyard, when we first moved in, we had a lot of trees that were choked by Swedish ivy. That Swedish ivy grew up the tree and pulled them down to the ground, and they were dead, right? It didn't happen overnight. It happened over years of neglect. So my prayer is uh, for you that you would not neglect your soul. Now, I've been hearing this a lot lately, but I've been hearing the church referred more and more to like a country club, uh, that the church is more concerned about their, about their comforts about their pleasures, and about their wealth than they are about the kingdom of God. So let me just ask you, do you look at the church more like a country club? Are you focused on your personal comforts rather than denying your comforts for the sake of others? Are you focused on your wealth rather than your generosity towards Christ and His people? Are you focused on satisfying your sinful pleasures, rather than denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following after Christ. Beloved, I do not want your spiritual life to be choked out. Take this afternoon, do an inventory on your own spiritual life. Ask yourself, are you being choked? And then ask the person who knows you best, is my life being choked out by by riches, by worries, by pleasures? The last way people hear is with a steadfast ear. With a steadfast ear. As far as, verse 15, as far as for that is in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Uh, Daryl Bach highlights three keys uh, to listening with a fruitful uh, heart, uh, with a fruitful hearing. So can I just ask you if I've lost you? Uh, At any point in the sermon, I invite you back in, right, to tell you this is how we listen with a good and faithful heart. The first key is to have an honest and a good heart. We know that the Bible often speaks about protecting the heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And here, Luke is referring to the morality and the integrity of our hearts. And as I mentioned earlier, we do not only need knowledge, we need God's love. An honest or good heart is referring to a receptive heart that desires to submit and obey God's word. The second key to hold fast to the wor- is, is to hold fast to the word of God. A faithful hearing clings to the word and does not let go. As I was starting, I got, I got the image of the end of the first Lord of the Rings movie. Uh, and, you know, Frodo 
uh, makes a choice that I'm gonna, it's time for me to go in this battle alone. Uh, and Sam Wise Gamgee, his faithful friend, sees Frodo going away in a boat and not caring for his own life, can't even swim, goes in the water. Frodo pulls him up and um, Sam Wise looked at him. And he says, I made a promise. A promise, Mr. Frodo. Don't you leave him, Sam Wise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. And I don't mean to. When we come to Christ, we make a promise. We, we, we are baptized. We make a promise to the church and a promise to God that I'm going to hold fast to this word. Are we like that? That we made a promise. And I mean to keep it. I pray we'd hold fast to the word with that passion. The third key to a right response to God's word is to hear it with patience. This word here used for patience um, is unique to Luke. He's the only one who uses it in the New Testament. He refers to a quality needed to bear up under the pressure of living faithfully. Now, how often does the Bible talk about waiting for the Lord? To be patient? Uh, One of my favorite pastors, John Piper, uh, a student asked him one time and said, "Uh, Pastor John, do you ever doubt the gospel? He's been a pastor for 30 years, written 50 books, and he says, yes, I doubt God on the painfully slow process of my own sanctification. He only doubted when he looked at his own life and how slow it was for him to grow. So if you are here and you have a slow time of growth, just hang in there. The end is not over yet. Hold fast to the word of God. Well, that's the end of the first point. Two more brief points that I just want to give you before you head out. Um, It just kind of fits the passage. You see this in verse 16 through 18, a focused hearing, a focused hearing. Read with me in verse uh, 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who may who enter may see the light. God saves you so that people will see your light. God wants to display your good works, display your change, that people would see your good works. And they would look up and say, God is at work in her or in him. But then he says these words in verse 17, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken from him. In a room this size, beloved, I know that there are some of you struggling with sin. You are struggling probably with a secret sin that you don't want anyone to know. Can I plead you, plead with you today to get help? Turn to Christ. Because sin is going to be exposed. Everything that is hidden will be brought to the light. It will be exposed. So Christian, those who are struggling with sin, the reason why I want you to get help in Christ with a brother or sister is because of these words I read last night. They minister to my old soul, so I read them to you. It says, Christian, you don't have to be afraid 
of what is in your heart. You don't have to fear of being known because there is nothing in you that could ever be exposed that has already that has not already been covered by the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the King. Hear that, Christian. You have been bought with the blood of Christ. All your sins, all your many sins are forgiven in Christ. There is no sin in your life today that God has not covered with His blood. That should cause us to rejoice Our salvation does not depend upon us. It depends all on the shed blood of Christ. See, our Lord Jesus Christ um, came. This is the message of the gospel, right? The seed that was scattered. He lived the perfect life and he died for the sins of man. Jesus Christ was more than a man. He was God. Therefore, death could not hold him. Jesus Christ overcame the grave in his resurrection. And His resurrection is the first, the prototype of all those who put their faith in Christ. So if you're here today and you are a non-Christian, you are not a believer in Christ, God offers you life today. He who has ears, let him hear. And I would be remiss here, beloved, if I didn't say that God wants to purify our church God wants us to be the kind of church that lives for His glory and has His agenda. And I can just see in recent days, weeks, and months that there may be some of us who have our agenda in our minds rather than God's agenda for our church. Your motives and the intentions of your heart will be exposed, just as sin will be. So can I just encourage you today to take heart how you hear. Focus your hearing on the Word of God. Well, lastly, and I'll end here. Amen, Pastor. (laughs) Uh, With a a familial hearing. A familial hearing. Uh, Really hang with me here, beloved, because this has just touched my heart this week. Verse 19. Uh, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, But they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. See, James, Jesus makes a profound statement here. Uh, He says that all who hear the word of God and do it are his family. Everyone who receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior becomes part of the family of God. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother. Now, beloved, it has been an extremely, extremely difficult week in the life of our church. There has been much deep sorrow and sadness. And although this has been an extremely hard week, can I tell you, I have seen God working I am so proud of our church. I'm so grateful for you. I am so grateful for you. I am honored and humbled to be your pastor. This church has shown herself strong this week. 
by the Lord's grace. In a time of trial such as ours this week, the church has been the family. You are not just my church, beloved. You are my family. You are my brothers and my sisters, my mothers and my fathers. We are a family. I would not trade this church for any other church on the planet. You are my family. And I am your family. Now, I talk to a lot of people who don't have a faith family. And if that's you this morning, can I just urge you to commit to us, covenant with us. Because if you covenant and commit to lay down your life for this church, for these people, I can tell you this, God, by, God, by the grace of God, this church will lay down their life for you. I have seen it this week. So God, I am, I am so thankful for you, beloved. I praise God for you. And I know that by God's grace, we will grow stronger. We will um, grow stronger together in the knowledge and the love of God. So I pray that we hear God's word in faith and we continue to bear fruit with patience. Let's pray. God, I pray for our church. I pray that you would help us hear the word of God faithfully. Help us bear fruit with patience. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.